There's a phrase all of us have used when we were kids, and our kids still use it today. But mom, everybody else is doing it. All my friends get to go. And we warn our kids, don't follow the crowd. Doesn't matter if everybody else is doing it, if it's not the right thing to do. And then as adults, we are confident that we have overcome peer pressure. The problem is we just change phrases. Instead of saying, but mom, everybody else is doing it, now we say, what will people think? What will people think? The approval of people is a powerful force. And the person we want to look at today, one of these people to whom Jesus came into contact is a man named Pilate. We've all heard his name. He's part of the story of Jesus. He's part of Easter week. But I want us to look a little bit more about Pilate and what he went through that day on Good Friday. And maybe to learn some lessons from him. His full name was Pontius Pilate. He was of one of the upper class of Rome. And he was the governor of Jerusalem when the Jesus was arrested. The Jews were a conquered people, and it's important to understand this story that you see some background here. They were a conquered people. The Romans were in charge. The Jews were allowed to run the daily affairs of the city of Jerusalem of their country, Israel. But there were certain things they could not do. Romans wouldn't let them. And one of those things was capital punishment. The Jews did not have the authority to carry out any type of execution. So the Jews faced a problem. They wanted to kill Jesus. He was a threat to their country. They wanted to get rid of him. In our terms, we would look at it as the president and the senate are in agreement. The problem is they couldn't carry out their wishes. So they had to go to Pilate. They had to go to the Roman authorities for Jesus to be executed. I want us to follow through some of the events of that day, but especially focusing on what Pilate faced. I want to start with Luke 23, 1 through 5. Uh, the Jewish leaders had already met, and then Luke picks up the whole assembly, rose, and led Jesus off to Pilate. They began to accuse him, saying, We have found this man subverting our nation. He opposes payment of taxes to Caesar and claims to be Messiah, a king. So Pilate asked Jesus, are you the king of the Jews? You have said so, Jesus replied. Then Pilate announced to the chief priests in the crowd, I find no basis for a charge against this man. But they insisted. He stirs up the people all over Judea by his teaching. He started in Galilee and has come all the way here. If you take a minute and you look at everything the Jewish leaders said to Pilate, they were trying to manipulate him. They tried to push all of the hot buttons Pilate would have had. A spreading insurgency from Galilee to Jerusalem. A threat to the authority of the king. This guy is claiming to be a king. They were lies, but Pilate didn't know that. Their whole goal was to get Pilate 
to execute Jesus. Pilate obviously picked up on some of what was going on because he said, I I don't want to make a decision about Jesus. If you fit all of the Gospels together, as near as we can tell, John gives us the next step in this process. He takes Jesus away from the crowd inside to his palace or his office, and he has his own private talk with Jesus. Pilate then went back inside the palace, summoned Jesus, and asked him, Are you the king of the Jews? Is that your own idea, Jesus asked, or did others talk to you about me? Pilate gets frustrated. Am I a Jew, Pilate replied? Your own people and chief priests handed you over to me. What is it you have done? Jesus said, my kingdom is not of this world. If it were, my servants would fight to prevent my arrest by the Jewish leaders. But now my kingdom is from another place. You are a king then, Pilate says, trying to grasp some idea of what's going on. Jesus answered, you say that I am a king. In fact, the reason I was born and came into the world is to testify to the truth. Everyone on the side of the truth listens to me. What is truth, retorted Pilate. With this, he went out again to the Jews, gathered there and said, I find no basis for a charge against him. I want you to notice just a couple things about Jesus and Pilate in this interchange. Pilate was looking for answers. I'm sure Pilate was accustomed to any prisoner who was before him facing death, was afraid, was begging for their life, was shaking with fear, and he found none of that in Jesus. In fact, as Pilate asked questions, Jesus just gave Pilate more questions. I'm sure he frustrated Pilate, but he certainly showed Pilate he was not afraid. Now, in the interchange, what happens next, and we're not going to take the time to read it, but Pilate is told that Jesus was born in Galilee. Pilate wants to just get out of this whole issue, and he's not responsible for Galilee. It's not one of his districts. And so he immediately says, oh, not my issue. Sends Jesus off to Herod, who was the governor of Galilee, who happened to be visiting Jerusalem. Well, you could read that story later. Herod does some questioning, makes no determination about Jesus, and sends him back to Pilate. Says, sorry, Pilate, it's your problem. He's in Jerusalem today. We're in Jerusalem. You deal with it. And Pilate gets nowhere. He can't escape this Jesus question. And so if you go back to Luke 23, we pick up the story. Pilate called together the chief priests, the rulers and the people, and said to them, You brought me this man as one who was inciting the people to rebellion. I have examined him in your presence. I have found no basis for your charges against him. Neither has Herod, for he sent him back to us. As you can see, he's done nothing to deserve death. Therefore, I will punish him and then release him. In that paragraph, we find Pilate's own conclusion. The guy's innocent. This guy's done nothing wrong. Sort of as an effort to appease the Jewish leaders, he says, let let me beat him. I'll have him flogged and and then let him go. Because that's at most, that's all he deserves. And I'm only doing that to make you happy. But we know what happened. 
The crowds were incited. As Ron mentioned, some of the very crowd who had cheered on this day, Palm Sunday, through pressure, through the leaders urging them, they ended up now chanting, crucify him, crucify, crucify him. And Pilate tries again. We read the rest of the story that there was traditionally on Passover, which was the biggest holiday for the Jews, the Romans, in an effort of goodwill, would always let go one prisoner, give him a pardon. And Pilate grasped at that and thought, maybe I can use this. So he says, what if I do the Passover pardon and give it to Jesus? But he gives them a choice between Jesus, who is innocent and gentle, and Barabbas, one of the worst known criminals in jail. And of course, we know how that went. The crowd was insistent, and they chanted for Barabbas to be pardoned, not Jesus. Jesus needed to be crucified. Pilate is frustrated. He doesn't know how to get out of this. Afraid of a riot, all of this pressure on him to crucify Jesus. And then if his day can't get worse, Matthew adds a detail for us in Matthew 27. While Pilate was sitting on the judge's seat, his wife sent him a message. Don't have anything to do with that innocent man, for I have suffered a great deal today in a dream because of him. I almost feel sorry for Pilate at this point. Somehow I don't believe it was normal for wives to send notes to their governor husband when he's in the midst of a huge potential riot, trial, you name it. And you need to understand that in the ancient world they viewed dreams much more seriously than we tend to. They assumed that a dream was probably a message from their gods. And so here she is saying to Pilate, do not do this. Don't touch him. The gods have warned me bad things are going to happen if you do this. Can you imagine Pilate reading that note and saying, great, even my wife is on my case. Throws it aside, I don't know. But you see, he still had Jesus there. And he had the crowds cheering, jeering, screaming, crucify him. We've already heard Pilate's conclusion, the guy's innocent. Pilate didn't have a lot of options. He could either proclaim Jesus innocent, which we've seen already, is that's his conclusion. He could have done nothing, thrown him in a jail cell, there was no requirements of how long Jesus sat there, he could have left him in jail and tried to just ignore the issue. But we know the Jews didn't give him that option. His third choice was to succumb to that pressure and give them what they wanted. Allow them to pressure him, order Jesus to be executed even though he knew he was innocent. And we know the choice that Pilate made to please the crowd what will people think? To please the crowd, he ordered Jesus beaten, taken out and crucified under Pilate's authority. Even though Pilate said, I wash my hands of this and his guilt be on your shoulders, it was still Pilate who gave the order. History doesn't give us a lot more information about Pilate. He came to be known as a very cruel and very... Um, Harsh ruler, 
Finally, there was uh, a false messiah in Samaria. We, we have this recorded for us in history. Who claimed that he had a secret stash of all the gold from the temple of Samaria. And he was going to reveal it on a certain day. And it gathered a huge crowd. Pilate sent in his troops and had all of those crowd arrested, many of them executed. He'd become so brutal that the governor of Syria, who was Pilate's commander, ordered him removed from office and sent back to Rome in disgrace. And that's the last we hear of Pilate. All because some people pressured him and he went along with the crowd. It's a tragedy. It caused Christ's death. It shows a life that encountered Jesus, but just like we saw last week with Judas, and this week with Pilate, not everyone who came in touch with Jesus, who encountered Jesus, had their life changed forever. Sometimes they didn't get it. Sometimes they let other things pressure them and control them. And that's why I wanted to look at Pilate today, because in some ways... We face the same choice as Pilate. At one point in, in Jesus' ministry, working with the disciples, and the crowds were coming, and many of the crowds started to turn away. And Jesus turned to the disciple, and in the midst of all the discussion, he finally turns to them, and in Matthew 16, 15, we read him say, But who do you say I am? Who do you say I am? That is a question that every single person has to answer. Not for others, not for our families, our spouses, our kids, our grandparents, our co-workers. We have to answer it for ourselves. Who do we say Jesus is? Some of us, like Pilate, face our own pressures. Whether it's family or friends or co-workers, what will they think if I believe in Jesus? What will it mean for us if we believe, if we allow Jesus to become the, the leader of our lives? It's not just about the crowd around us. It's our own decision. The opinion of others, what others think, comes and goes. We see that this week. From the crowd on Palm Sunday that cheers Hosanna to the King... To many of that same crowd, pressured by others, who ends up by Thursday, by Friday, saying, crucify him. We can't trust the crowd. We can't trust what other people think. We have to make our own decision. Who is Jesus to us? It's an important decision. Think about how that decision affected what happens next Sunday? Think about what next Sunday, Easter, or Easter Monday, if you want to call, of think then. Think of what that meant for Pilate. Jesus' body is gone. Can't be found. Despite Roman guards and sealing the tomb, he's gone. And there's even rumors that Jesus is alive. What if your Pilate or his wife on that Easter Monday... Oh my gosh, was the dream right? Somebody find that body. 
Because if he's alive again, imagine what Pilate must have thought. But even more important, I want you to imagine what Monday, what Easter was like for those who resisted the crowd and believed in Jesus. Since Good Friday, it had been a terrible three days. And it had seemed like everything was lost. Did we make a mistake to not listen to the crowd? And then on Easter morning, everything changes. And they were so glad they continued to believe. Because Jesus is alive. Pilate was wrong. The Jewish leaders were wrong. Everybody, the crowd had been wrong. Christ is the Messiah. He is alive again. Next Sunday is a time of victory. It struck me how much this week will parallel the experiences we are going through right now around the world with the pandemic. It can seem so bleak. We can become so anxious. It can feel like a defeat. But the message of this week is going to be that this is not a defeat. God is greater than the grave. God is greater than any crisis. He has already won the victory. And he wants to share that victory with us, with you, every one of you. How will you answer the question, who is Jesus to you? Let's pray. Father, I am thankful that you recorded for us in the four Gospels the details of this week. And all that Jesus encountered. It lets us see the depth of his love. But it also shows us how ordinary people encountered him. And what they did about Jesus. Help us learn from them. Help us see Jesus as who he really is. The son of God our Savior, and the one who can give us victory over any circumstance. I thank you for the message of love and hope that you gave us this week. May that message soak into our hearts and our minds this week. In Christ's name, amen. Well, thank you for joining us today. Uh, we hope you've been blessed by your time here with us. If you need help in any way, please use that eConnect card or call one of the ministers or elders. Tell your shepherd when they call you. Contact the church office. We want to help. We want to be here for you. Just let us know. Uh, make sure you take advantage of the opportunities this Easter week, um, the things that we're preparing and we hope to see you next East Sunday as it's Easter morning and we celebrate his resurrection. Remember, God is on his throne and he loves you deeply and he will take care of you.
Have a great week in Him as we prepare for Easter.